0: French Revolution, right? So, after the French Revolution, the idea of uh, do you cultivate people in one direction, right? Or do you cultivate people in multiple directions? Or do you let the children be free to choose what they want, right? Yeah. So, you, you might like to leave them free to choose their own political point of view, right? Like, for instance, I had some Marxist friends when I was a student, a PhD student, and they asked me uh, there are, uh, they used to work in some Right, so they asked me, oh, will you work in the slums with us? I said, yeah, by all means. Then they asked me, oh, will you uh, teach them ideology? I said, no, that I won't do. Right? Because language itself is ideology. Right? Yeah, and you have this person called Goloshinov, uh, who's talking about uh, uh, what is he Marxism and the philosophy of language. Right? Yeah, and over there he's talking about how language itself is ideological right so I don't need to teach you any kind of ideology I don't need to teach anybody any kind of ideology right and when we talk about a language and this is a linguistic idea actually right when we talk about a language a languages are built in with culture and they are built in with all kinds of devices so you teach a person a language and let them decide for themselves what kind of Uh, ideology, what kind of political position they can have, right, yeah, so all that you do is you teach them the language and that's important and that's an important idea, right, yeah, which of course my Marxist friends didn't like and what was even more funny is at the end of it I was the only person who was committed enough, right, the Marxists talk about commitment, right, and they didn't come, they all dropped out, right, and I was the only person who was committed enough to go uh, to the slum. And all of them said no, I mean they didn't say anything, they, they had other kinds of things to do, right? And they might have not found that worth it, but I found it worth it in spite of sitting down uh, in the little room that they had and uh, finding that I had bu- bugs crawling up my back, right? etc., <laughs> etc., et which was a different kind of an experience, but it was just wonderful to work with the little kids, right? Yeah, and that's of course long ago, and uh, yeah, this the whole idea of working with the kids and teaching them how to speak, oh, oh, that was great for me. Then of course I was very sad that it stopped, and uh, it was just outside the the law courts of Pune, uh, uh, of Pune, right? The district courts. So that's where it was, right? Fine. Uh, Yeah. So the question is, we are talking about what happens to scholarship? And what happens to language, right? And the question over here is, we must think again before we determine. Uh, and thus, the opportunity of actions uh, is, even if they occur. Right? Sorry, we must think again before we determine. And thus, the opportunity of action is lost, right? Now, that's something that we get from Hamlet, right? And, uh, yeah, that's the last line of Hamlet's to be or not to be speech, right? Yeah. Uh, with, what dreams may come when we have, lo- we, w- when we have shuffled off this mortal coil, must give us pause. There's the respect of so long a life, right, etc., etc. Yeah, and who? Yeah, so that's uh, the question is, uh, and then he says, right. Thus conscience makes makes covers of us all, and thus a native hue of resolution. Is sickly awe by the pale cast of thought, right? Yeah, and lose their name of action, right? So he says because God has put something against self-slaughter, right? That's why we don't go out, right? And we are conscience does make covers of us all, right? Okay, and that contradicts what he's saying over here, right? Okay, it it act, Hamlet is raising an issue about him not taking action. Right and why is he not taking action? Because religion says no. Right? Okay. And he's talking. The speech begins with "to be or not to be." That is a question. So I commit suicide or should I not? Right? Because life is really difficult for most of us. Right? And of course, he says there's no use. And in the 20th century, you have Albert Camus in the myth of the Sisyphus. He is actually telling us life is absurd. Life is stupid. Right. We don't know what is going on and why we are here and we don't get, need, uh, get a lot of, lot of reasons for what we are doing and why we are here and why a lot of nonsense takes place in our lives. But at the same time, he says, well, we have to put up with the absurdity of living because if we don't and commit suicide, then we can't put up with the absurdity of living. Right. Yeah. So that's his idea of why do you not commit suicide in the midst of the Sisyphus. Right. Uh, right. Uh, while we are considering the very best possible mode of gan- gaining an object, we find that it has uh, slipped through our fingers, or that others have laid rude, fearless hands upon it. Right. Now he is talking about object in philosophy is an idea, right? An object in the material world is a chair or a table or a pen or whatever that is, right? Is also about a course that you take. The idea of an opportunity slipping by, right? So he's saying, one is to be very thoughtful about something, right? And you think a lot. The other is, if you miss the opportunity, it won't come again, right? So that's almost uh, the Victorian kind of thought, right? Uh, where time and tide doesn't wait for anybody, and you uh, have to actually push yourself into getting somewhere, right? And if you don't take an opportunity when it comes by, it may never come again. Right? Yeah? Right? Of course, you have a, a humorous take on that which says, never pass a temptation lightly by, it may never come again. Right? Yeah? That's for all the people who say, no to sweets like me and no to drink like me. Right? Yeah? So when somebody offers you a drink, take it. Otherwise, you don't have an opportunity. That's that's the, the take on this idea of uh, don't uh, act before you think too much. Right? Yeah? And the problem that he's actually saying is, scholars think too much. Right? Action is lost. Right? So this is uh, something that is against scholars, that's against Hamlet also. Right? But the question is, why do they think, why do they think about all the different possibilities? And he actually has a go at at what uh, later becomes the categorical imperative. Right? Yeah? and that's Kant's categorical uh, uh, imperative right yeah when Kant is talking about uh, the idea of uh, uh, what is it called the categorical imperative that is you must we have to do any action that we do has to be for all people at all times right yeah and if everybody does that then we live in a world that is different. Right, but how many people do that? Right, that is when you see a red light or a green light. Do you say that we should wait and and wait for the light to change? Right. Now that's the categorical imperative. Right. Yeah. And if I really believe in the law, I should wait even if it's 12 o'clock or one o'clock in the night and nobody's there uh, at the traffic stop or a policeman is not there to look after what I'm doing or not doing, right? Then I should still be uh, keeping to the law unless I have a very good reason to break it, right? Yeah, if somebody is dying and uh, the traffic law is there, right, and nobody's on the road, then should I wait for the traffic light to change and then go, right, yeah? So that's uh, a question of uh, being uh, aware of the law and also being critically conscious Okay, I'm constantly thinking, right? You can't have set rules, right? You have to think at every minute of your life. That's what Kant is setting down, right? Yeah. So you might like to think about the categorical imperative if some of you are philosophy students, right? Uh, we must think again before we determine, and thus the opportunity of action is lost while well, we are considering the very possible mode of gaining an object we find that it is stripped to our fingers or that others have laid rude, fearless hands upon it, right? Yeah, the whole idea of rude and fearless is something that is uh, not quite romantic because the romantics are actually talking about the, the, the ordinary people, the vulgar, the so-called vulgar or the common people or the ordinary people, right? Yeah? So he says, somebody else might have taken this thing from you, right? The youthful uh, tyro reluctantly discovers that the ways of the world are not his ways, nor the thoughts his thoughts. Perhaps the old monastic institutions were not in this respect unwise, which carried on to the end of life uh, the scheduled habits and romantic associations with which it began and which created a privileged world for the inhabitants distinct from the common world of men and women right yeah now he's talking about all the monastic orders whether you have uh, monastic orders in India or monastic orders in Europe right or anywhere in the world Yeah. when we're talking about monastic orders they're talking about taking your time right thinking about things hundred times before you act right so that's something else he says well at one level yes you might lose an opportunity right But at another level, uh, you might wait, right? And wait back, etc. Right? Now, the question is uh, these are issues that are taking place at this time because do we follow a monastic order of living or do we follow a kind of carpe diem, right? And carpe diem is seize the day or seize the moment, right? When something comes in, enjoy yourself and live life and don't miss it. Right, yeah, so that's something uh, he's saying over here. Uh, yes, uh, yes, which carried on to the end of life the secluded habits and romantic associations which it began and which created a privileged world for the in- inhabitants distinct from the common world of men and women. Right, so he's talking about the monastic order and the a marketplace order, right? The for common men and women is a marketplace. Uh, you will bring with you from your books and st- solitary uh, rev- reveries a wrong measure of men and things unless you correct it by careful experience and mixed observation, right? Now you're talking about the empirical and the theoretical, right? Yeah, so you have your theory, you have your idea, right, and then you have the uh, the actual experience of it, right? So unless an idea is tried out and you reflect upon your trial and you reflect upon the idea, right? Uh, it doesn't gel, it doesn't gel at all and it doesn't make you actually think about or renegotiate the idea, right? So the idea is ideal, the platonic world and the miracle world is the real world, right? Yeah, so you see if the idea is in the real world, how it operates in the real world, Uh, has your execution of it been wrong, or has the idea itself been wrong, right? Yeah, so that's something that is a task, right? Because you might have fantastic ideas, but they might not be uh, practicable in the real world, right? So, uh, yeah. Then you have, yeah, this is very fine, Uh, yeah. You will bring with you from your books and solitary reveries the wrong measures of men and things unless you correct it by careful experience and mixed observation. You will raise your standards of character as much too high at first as from disappointed expectations. It will sink too low afterwards. Right? Yeah, so the idea is uh, you have an idea, you try to attain the highest point, and then you find. That you're too low, and then you find an average, right? So the ideal is one. Uh, then the opposite of the ideal is any whole way will do, right? And then you find the I- right kind of balance where you find this this much of idealism and this much of practical practicality would be important, right? Uh, right. The best qualifier of this theoretical mania and the dreams of poets and moralists who both uh, treat of things as they ought to be and not as they are, it is one sense to be found in some of our uh, popular writers such as a novelist and periodical essayist. Right, uh, But you had after all better wait and see what things are that try to anticipate the results. You uh, know more of a road by having traveled it than by all the conjectures and descriptions in the world. Right? Now that's some really sound advice, right? So people say, don't, No, 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 don't do this, don't do this. And then you say, No, but let me try, right? So let me have a first hand experience, right? Maybe you're right, maybe you're wrong, and it doesn't cost too much to try something out, right? Of course, when the things they're very dangerous, like somebody says, Well, uh, you might this bridge might get give way then you say, well, is that true, right? Yeah, you might have to think about it, right? But if it's a small experiment that you're trying or a small idea that you're trying, uh, try it out and see what works, right? And he's also talking about the idea that uh, normally people have, right? Of going with a prejudiced mind to something, right? So your ideas or your books might give you a prejudice against something or somebody, right? Yeah? and when you actually go and experience them there's something else I think we talked about that when we talked about people okay he's talking about people in the earlier part and now we're talking about books right so the book might give you a wrong idea try it out right see if it fails or see if it doesn't fail right the idea of course is an open mindedness right don't close your mind right keep open yeah and at the same time don't be led by only the books or any anybody else, right? Trust yourself, right? So that's something that maybe a lot of us don't have, right? And that's when we are talking about confidence or confidence building, right? Unless you try things out and you fail, right? And you try to do them again and maybe you pass or maybe you fail or you get a different method out of it, right? You don't get confidence, right? Confidence actually comes with people who try and not with people who don't try, right? And of course, that's one of the things I have against all the people who come in suicide, whether it's the farmers or anybody else, right? Because you can't give up without trying and trying hard enough and seeing where you've gone. You've gone wrong, right? Yeah. So I think that's extremely important over here because it's actually telling us: try again, okay? Try a different method. See where you've gone wrong, yeah? And look at things. Don't go with a prejudice, right? And prejudice is always something bad because education is supposed to remove our prejudice, right? Whether it's a prejudice about Muslims or Dalits or uh, Christians or Jews or whatever that is, right? Yeah. Whenever you have a prejudice, and that's exactly why uh, the idea of adventure comes in, right? We can't go by prejudice. We have to go and see things for ourselves, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, so. Uh, somebody might tell you, well, this person is a bad person or this person is a good person and you might have the opposite experience, right? But of course, you must see whether is it only one day that this person has done all these things, right? And, okay, so how do I have a bad experience? What's the reason of it, right? So all those kind of things are important, right? And that's what he's talking about. The idea is, can we keep our minds open, okay? Because unless you keep our mind open, we can't learn, right? And that's as important as it is. Right? Uh, yeah, and the idea is that you uh, put in place a system of checks and balances, okay, for your experience. So you're not giving you this idea of uh, being romantic, right? Because Wordsworth is a great writer and Wordsworth says this, so I should follow it. No, right? He's, he's actually saying, look at what happ- what is the idea, see if you can practice it, See how practical it is, see what the uh, problems and solutions are, right? And the question is actually saying, you have to be critically alive and active all the time, right? Because if you can't be critically active and alive, you are as as if you're a zombie or a dead person, right? Which most people are in the world, right? We go with fixed attitudes, we don't think, right? We don't uh, think on the spur, spur of the moment, we don't understand what the person is saying and why the person is there and why a person is coming out of a certain kind of way which is already said before, right, yeah? So he's, now he's talking about books and the idea of influence of books and he's talking about the empirical and the theoretical and the kind of halfway house between the two of them which is ex, ex, actually where the theory builds up and your confidence also builds up, right? Uh, But you had, after all, better wait and see what things are that try to anticipate the results. You know more about a road by traveling, having traveled it, than by the conjectures and descriptions in the world, right? And of course, my friends get very angry with me because I don't use the Google Map. And I said, well, the Google Map doesn't give you things on the ground. And I prefer to talk to somebody and ask them, where is this place? Or where is. uh, Yeah. Yeah, can I call you afterwards because I'm in a class? Okay? Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so, so, we're talking about uh, what's going on over here, right? And uh, you know more by road by traveling it, but then all the conjectures and descriptions in the world, right? Now, one of the important things is the idea of the jo- road, the idea of the journey, Uh, These are things that are very common as metaphors in literature and life is a journey, right? Yeah, so that's a kind of a metaphor of life, right? And the question is, what happens in your life is like a journey, right? So you get a knock here, you get a knock there, then you learn how to go around. So that's something else that operates. Yeah? Yeah. Somebody's talking. Do you want to say something? ah uh, this yeah uh, i can mute them i can't mute them uh yeah please switch off your yeah okay uh, right you will find the business of life conducted on a much more varied and individual scale than you would expect right now you have and this is what we have all around the place right we have big labels and we have big terms terms and when you actually go and work you find something else right yeah and uh, what's also important is have people worked with people or are they talking only theory right so you get to know people Right? Like you get to know to teach only after you make a lot of mistakes right And I, I remember a Hemingway scholar who might possibly be dead now right I don't know if he's alive right uh, He had done a biography of Hemingway etc and he said once when we are having a discussion he says, look, uh, I gone to class and sometimes the whole class is a failure and it's just not worth it right yeah and nothing is learned nothing happens right and then i and my guy were talking and i said well how can that be right there'll actually be at least one little bit that rubs off positive or negative right it can't be that people come to class and go out without anything happening to them right so that's something that you might like to think about because when we're talking about all this we're talking about what happens to us all the time in our lives right Okay, the most important thing is uh, he's talking about being fully alive, right? And if you're going to be fully alive, you have to be fully alive for every minute and every action that you do, right? And most of us are half alive, right? We live, some of us live only from the eyebrows up, some of us live only from the neck up, right? But how many of us live a full human life, right? So that's somewhere where he's going and uh, this is somewhere Uh, where we uh, find that he's actually saying something very uh, important, right? Though we might not agree with all his ideas and that's why we have to read him and we have to take what he's saying, test it out. I might say this, but test it out, right? Yeah? You don't have to believe me. Please go and test it out. That's it. Yeah? Uh, You will find the business of life conducted... uh, On a much more varied and individual scale than you would expect. People will be concerned about a thousand things that you have no idea of and will be utterly indifferent to what you feel the uh, greatest, greatest interest in. Right? Yeah? So somebody for them, you put all your energy into something. Right? And then you'll find people don't even care. They'll say, so what? Right? Yeah? And I don't know if you've experienced it. I experience it all the time, right? Yeah, and especially when we're talking about doing art and talking about art, right? Like, for instance, I was telling a cousin of mine once, I said, Look, this guy is interesting because he's learned the art of uh, stained glass making, right? Yeah, and he, he does a lot of stained glass. So he says, So what's great about it, right? Yeah, so that's something that becomes important, especially if you read Tagore and the uh, that's a long essay and it's called On Women, right? Yeah, he's talking about art and he's talking about science generalizing and art talking about the individual, right? So that's uh, Rabindranath Tagore, and this is what he also is saying that he's saying that look, uh, yeah, uh, so and it's because people, not because they don't like it, but either they don't even understand it. Right, like for instance, you play the guitar or you do a painting on all those kind of things, and there are a lot of people who won't understand it at all. Right, in fact, I have a niece, right, and she says, Well, I like talking to you only for one thing that is, both my parents are MBAs, okay, they don't understand anything that I'm talking, right, yeah. So, that's the condition actually which happens when you are so called educated, right, you begin to wonder. What is going on and you have to have your individual uh, and the idea of studying and being a scholar means also being very lonely, right? You might get to, as I said before, you might get one or two people who who can talk to you, right? And it's not that you should get diminished because you've got nobody to talk to, right? That's exactly what an artist's life is, right? That's what a scholar's life is, right? We have nobody to talk to, right? Yeah, so that's as important as it becomes. Uh, yeah. People will be concerned about a thousand things that you have no idea of and will be utterly indifferent to what you feel the greatest interest in. You will not find good and evil, folly and discretion more mingled and the shades of character running more into each other than mm-hmm. be the just give me a second hello Huh? ha oil change karne oil oil okay okay ha ha ओके okay, चेंज कर देना होने के हां नहीं 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 अगले साल किया मैंने मैंने आपका या फिर आ, आपने कुछ भी नहीं किया तकलीफ हुआ गाड़ी गाड़ी को राइट हां और दुसरा जगह करना पड़ा ओके okay, पर चेंज करना है तो चेंज कर देना हां 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 balancing and alignment karne, please Huh? Hmm? Uh, uh, oh, 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 okay uh, but, uh, okay karo, karo. no problem hmm? okay, sorry for the disturbance right uh, that's an important thing right yeah uh, right. Uh, yeah. So we're talking about, uh, but you had, after all, better wait and see what things are. Then uh, try to anticipate the results. Right. Yeah. So the question is: Don't go with a closed mind. Don't go with what you want to get. Right. You might be taken off in a different direction, which is a better direction when you encounter a person or encounter an activity, that's what he's saying so keep open, right yeah Uh, yeah. and uh, you will not find good and evil folly and discretion, more mingled and the shades of character running more into each other than they do in the ethical charts, right so you have the idea of good and evil, right you have the idea of wicked and yeah, so these are stereotypes and these are very extreme kind of uh, stuff, right So in actual life, you might get a person who appears evil and is not actually evil, right? And that's what we have uh, many times, right? We think that this person is good and this person is bad and we have the idea of a color scheme uh, between the black and the white, right? And what he's saying is life is more varied, right? And human beings are more mixed, right? Because we're not types, right? We're not character types, right? We've got uh, there are different areas to our character, right? Yeah? So, actually, uh, there was a person who we were talking about, right? And there's a friend of mine who says, well, no matter how rotten a person is, sometimes you find them, they've got a very, very soft and gentle side to them, right? Yeah, and that's true, right? Because we're talking about this man who everybody talks about as horrible, right? And uh, he treats his... Of course, uh, his little daughter, right, very gentle, right, yeah, and uh, he goes with her for a walk every day and all those kind of things, right, and that is something that is very cute to see, right, and you can't imagine that this person who's doing all the rubbish to other people is actually so gentle, right, yeah, Uh, so that's something that we have to think about, right, so don't go by prejudice. That's the basic idea, right? Because if you go by prejudice, we don't get anywhere. We don't go with an open mind. And if you don't go with an open mind, uh, you don't learn anything, right? Yeah? So, and of course, we don't know which direction it will be, right? So when you go and encounter a person, uh, you don't know which way it's going to go, right? And the person might give you another direction if you take the trouble to listen, right? Yeah? And uh, yes, the variegated and all those things are important because sometimes you find uh, a person is talked about very much, right? And you actually go and encounter the person and you might know their stuff better than them, right? Or maybe the person wants to hide uh, things from you, right? But that's not really the case, right? If you really work on an area and you ask somebody and that person gives you something general, right? That happened to me, right? when I when we had a teacher in Oxford and I wanted to do from Oxford and I was a new MA student, right? And I wanted to work on Kafka and write a paper on Kafka. And I went to this person, I asked people, I said, uh, what do you think I should do? I'm gonna ask this person because that's the best teacher we have, right? So he said, Go ahead, right? And when I came out I was shocked. I said, Well, I've read more than the teacher, right? And that when that happens to you, right? Yeah, it's not that I'm better than her. No way, I can't. I can't even touch. Uh, even now, I've got a PhD. She's not, but she's definitely better than me, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, my PhD was probably just rubbish in in front of hers, right? Uh, her or whatever that is, right? But at, at that point of time, uh, it was something for me that well, and that's something to learn, right? Though people have read things, you might know things better or more than other people do. Right? Yeah? And that happens to us. And you see that happening as life goes on. Right? And of course, be kind to all these people. That's what he's saying also. Right? Yeah? Many people get angry with their mothers and grandmothers and parents because they're dumb and stupid. Because I learned something in political science and I learned something in psychology and I learned something in literature. Doesn't mean the parents are dumb and stupid. Right? Because they've actually lived through a life that is different right yeah and they don't ha- they don't have to be uh, the same and everybody doesn't have to be the same right yeah their uh, life their life experiences all are different right and that's exactly when most of us should not get angry at all with anybody right because a lot of people and that's exactly what the lecturer is saying it's not my stuff right yeah we, we don't get upset we don't get angry because human beings are much varied kind of Right? the different dimensions of their personality and don't go with fixed ideas about anybody or anything yeah? do not be surprised when you go out into the world to find men talking exceedingly well of different, on different subjects who do not derive their information immediately from books right? now that's again something important Right, some people live only by their wits right? yeah? mm-hmm. they will try to see uh, what your position is and then uh, make their position different, right? Mm-hmm. And everybody doesn't learn from books. Some people learn from real experience, some people learn from doing real things, right? All these kind of things happen to right? Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, yeah. In the first place, the, the light of books is diffused very much abroad in the world of conversation and then second hand and becomes common sense is not a monopoly and experience and observation are sources of information open to the, the man of the world as well as the refined, the retired student. Right? Yeah? So the thing is, ideas from books and experience are fused together. Right? And that's why life is still worth living because we have got enough variety. Right? And what is important is they might not read. People might derive things from somebody else, right? Somebody who has learned something very well and taught somebody else, right? They might learn from them, right? One of the the funny things about me is uh, not not about the classes, but uh, some people have sent me to to teach people when I was a student, right? I remember there's a friend of mine who was going abroad, and so he said, "Can you teach this student?" for one week because I am not there and I can't really teach English right yeah and I was a math student then I was not an English student right yeah so I taught her and the funny thing is that she came first in the class and uh, these people attributed it to me right yeah and I said well me I don't know whether I could teach her and I just did something very simple right yeah so that's one And then there was another person who had failed in mathematics, right, in standard 12. And I was an MSc student then. So I said, well, I don't even like uh, taking up these things because it takes too much time, right. And then what is interesting is he did well, he did better than me, right. Yeah. And uh, that's something very strange. And I got quite shocked when I found that I taught him something that he had failed in, right. And not that I was great, right. But that was interesting and very interesting to see right and the same happened with another friend of mine who I taught chess right and it was interesting that he could play chess much better than me right yeah so the question is how do you know who's going to teach you and how people are going to teach you right and how do you know how do you develop right yeah so you might go with expectations and not get anything you might not go with expectations and get something right like for instance uh, the funny thing, and of course, my mother would laugh if she were alive, right? Uh, she, she could never teach me, and she was uh, her training was in English and history methods of teaching, right? And I, I suppose I derived it from the air, and I learned how to, I learned the stuff from the air or whatever that is, right? Yeah. So one doesn't know how one learns, and that's something that we should be open about, right? Yeah, and don't close your mind off. That's what the passage is saying again and again in different ways. In the first place, the light of books is diffused and very much abroad. Yeah, And the thing of common sense becomes a problem. right? Today we're talking about common sense and after Stuart Hall and uh, uh, Raymond Williams, right? they're talking about this common sense way of thinking. Right? What becomes common sense? right? And today we are actually in a lot of trouble because uh what is common sense for you is not common sense for me right yeah and uh, many people say well use common sense right and we talk about how do you go by common sense right what is common sense that's a problem we have today right yeah and for many people common sense is well go to the bank get your money put your money in invest right so that's a kind of a common sense which is around the place, right? The, another kind of common sense is everybody has to get a job. Everybody has to get married, okay? That's what you call common sense, right? Yeah, so today that's being questioned, right? And it's being questioned because of these people who go... When the labourer class children go to college and university, right? Then the teachers begin to think about, which we've already talked about in Rossi's letter, right? Right? And then they have to change their syllabus, right? And they have to uh, understand what is common sense, right? Because what is common sense to a teacher, okay? And what is common sense to, right? Because when you teach something, you know what are the problems that a teacher faces, right? And you very often, this is what's happening actually in our university, right? Yeah, A lot of people are bureaucrats and uh, uh, very good at official work, right? But when it comes to teaching, they've never taught, right? So they don't understand what the problems of the teacher are, right? Like we are talking about our own syllabus, right? These are people who have never taught and they've designed a syllabus, right? Without understanding what exactly is required in the syllabus, right? So I don't know how that is done. But and we we are talking about hours of work, right? You're supposed to finish this in three lectures, right? Uh, And uh, the... The th- uh, three or four essays are supposed to be finished in uh, four or five lectures, right? Yeah, but that's never happened, okay? That's if people are teaching, right? Uh, if they really want to teach, that cannot happen because when you look at the level of students, they're different levels, right? They're different levels of getting into the subject and getting into the course, and perhaps many teachers don't even consider that, and this is what you call standardization. Which has happened much after Hazlitt, right? Where you say that, well, so many hours of lectures and so many hours of teaching, right? <laughs> That's what one of my uh, uh, students, when I was an MA student, of course, I was just a new MA student who was a Buddhist monk from uh, from Korea, right? He says, well, I finished so many lectures, I should learn to speak, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it's learning is a slow process, and learning to speak is a slow process, right? Yeah. so. The question is, uh, these are not kind of mechanical things that you can do, right? Uh, Of course, there are some uh, languages where they have systematized it, right? And of course, you get some very funny kind of results and for different reasons. Like for instance, I had an Irani student who I taught in the uh, International Student Center in Pune University and later he joined English department for the MA course, right? Yeah, and I was teaching him again, right? And I found something very funny that is, in six months' time, he was ma- able to make a presentation on romantic poetry, right? And uh, students from India, who are my stu- uh, our, our students over here, they were at least done eight years before they come to the MA and three years of. Uh, BA in special English, right? Or what you call uh, an honors course or whatever that is, right? And they were not able to make a presentation, right? So I went to my guide and I was very worried and I said, Look, what's going on, right? These guys have actually come in from college, right? And don't know how to make a presentation or can't make a presentation, right? And uh, somebody come and learnt English in six months can make a presentation, right? And then he, he gave me another insight which is very interesting because he said, look, he comes from Iran. Iran has never suffered colonialism, right? And this whole hang up about English is a colonial hang up, right? The idea is that we have to reach somewhere. And this is what uh, Hazlitt is also saying, right? The idea of expectation and putting your bar too high, right? And the whole idea of overall of English And that's why people don't do anything, right? Yeah. So uh, for a person who doesn't, first of all, he didn't have English, right? He didn't know Hindi. He didn't know anything, right? And he comes in and he should learn all these things firsthand, and he should struggle to survive. That's another story, right? We don't have to struggle to survive if we don't know English, right? If you go to England, yes, perhaps, right? Okay. If you go to France and don't know French, or Germany and don't know German, then we have to struggle to learn the language, right? Yeah, and that's what the migrant workers do every day, right? You get people from Andhra Pradesh, you get people from Tamil Nadu, you get uh, among the labor, uh, migrant laborers, right? And they are the ones who actually learn different languages, right? So when we're talking about English, and you get a different kind of insight, why do people have a problem studying English, right? And I never thought of it that way, right? And I was wondering whether we can go by a systematic Kind of language course right and the question is how you learn uh, how you respond all those the very complicated processes which are taking place when we learn right and we're not even aware of it and many like for instance a TYBA student when I was starting, uh, starting my course this year she says one month is over right yeah we've not even started a text I know what we're talking about a background we're talking about the background of fiction What do you mean by not starting a text, right? Yeah. The idea is more complex because we're talking about relating, right? Relating to literature, relating to different forms of literature and uh, coming to know what is this thing called fiction because it's a new thing, right? Like for instance, uh, coming to know what prose is, right? Uh, I think if some uh, some of you have thought about what is prose, right? Prose would have changed by the time you come here. Right, yeah, you'd certainly begin to see that prose is not what you think about, right, and uh, you s- begin to realize that this is something else, right, yeah, and if that happens, that's good enough, right, yeah. So, uh, we're talking about going with expectations, right, going with saying this so much, this so much, this so much, and everything in a very mechanical manner, and the human mind and the human uh, a question of grasping uh and learning is different right yeah it's not about uh, it's not only about the aptitude or what we call aptitude which we don't really know what is aptitude right that we get aptitude test and all those kind of funny things right uh those are severely questioned today right and i'm sure you all know about this that there's a man called albert einstein who gets who gets a negative iq result right yeah so I don't know whether he was over-intelligent or he had not been able to do things, right? So all those things are thrown into question, yeah? Because uh, what we are talking about is how do people learn, right? Yeah? And sometimes you wonder how you learn something quickly or someone learns something quickly and another one doesn't, right? Yeah? So these are big questions to think about, yeah? And uh, this is what he is actually talking about. Uh, in the first place, like yeah, we that, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, let's read it. In the first place, the light of books is diffused very much abroad in the world of conversation, and at second hand, and becomes common sense, if not a monopoly. And experience and observation are sources of information open to a, a man of the world, right? So it's not only reading, but experience, observation, right? Looking at things and seeing how it works. And that's why I keep telling people, read the text again and again, right? Yeah, the teacher's view is one point of view, right? But when you read and you study and you think about it, yeah? And you think about a word, you think about the text, right? And you go back again and again to it, right? Then you'll get something uh, from observation, something from experience, right? And uh, when you talk about learning English, or learning English prose, right? We are actually talking about all these things together, right? Uh, yeah, and if you know more of the outline and principles, he knows more of the details and practic- uh, practic- pra- practical power of life, right? Yeah, so the question is, you might know the outline, right? You might have things uh, intellectually spelt out, right? But actually working is something else, right? And especially uh, since most of you are not from language uh, or literature backgrounds, right? When we're talking about studying literature, it's also the question of experience, right? And that's what an art is supposed to be, right? Uh, We talked about this idea of empiricism just now. Yeah, we are talking about empirical learning, right? How do I learn from doing, right? And this is something that you learn only with practice. If you read more, Then you learn how to read, right? I can't teach you how to read otherwise, right? Yeah, and that's something I told the IDE students when I was doing group group discussions and uh, uh, presentations, right? You can't start uh, making a group discussion without getting into one. I can't give you theory, right? They asked me, huh, uh, can you give me a book? I said, there are many books, but this is something that is practical. You have to get it practically. Right? And of course, uh, the unfortunate thing is there's no practical exam, which I tried to fight for very hard, and uh, it was just shoot down, because people said, in the past, we never did this, and we don't want to do it, right? so then you can't do anything over there, right? yeah? and that's something I never expected, and that's something I also learned. Right? A man may discuss the adventures of a campaign in which he was engaged very agreeably without having read The Retreat and the ten, uh, the 10,000 or give, uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah, so that's the idea of uh, 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 perhaps uh, an actual thing that somebody's read, right? The retreat of the 10,000 or give a singular account of the method of uh, dying teas in China without being a profound chemist, right? Yeah. Sorry, I can't call up this now. Can you call me later? Okay. Right. So when we're talking about chemist, right? Uh, you can talk about chemistry, right? And we can talk about how chemistry operates, etc., right? And you, took, you, somebody can have practical experience without theoretical experience, right? Yeah, and that takes us back to people like Louis Pasteur, right? Who he learned how smallpox operates from a woman since we are talking about the pandemic right who is actually talking about cowpox right and how uh, you get affected by cowpox right yeah and then that's how he gets his smallpox vaccine ready right yeah so you get the idea of pasteurization uh, and all those kind of things come up over there right so you might uh, uh, think about this idea of dying tea, right? And a person who is on the ground might be much better, right? And this is a problem that we have in India because of, of our Brahmanical consciousness and a historical background, right? We like to be very theoretical. We like to be very philosophical, right? We don't really try out things in reality, right? And that's why I talked about the IIT. People who go to the IIT, but they can't repair a radio, okay? Or they can't repair anything else, right? Because they've got the theoretical know-how, and they don't have the practical know, right? Yeah. So that's something uh, we must also look at, right? It is uh, the vice of scholars to support that there is no knowledge of the world but that of books, right? Yeah. So you have this again, which is repeated in uh, Emerson's The American Scholar, right? Yeah. And of course, what happened with Emerson? He's saying books are the worst of friends and the best, right? If books rightly used are the best of friends and wrongly used are the worst enemies, right? That's something, uh, okay, he's talking about life and books and that's Emerson, who's an American romantic, right? And what is interesting is after the lecture that he gives, this is a, uh, the uh, to the Phi Beta Kappa Institute in the United States. That's about 150 years ago, right? Yeah? Or a little more than that, right? And what he does is, he goes back and he writes, I have to read this, 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 right? Yeah, so you get uh, a kind of contradiction over there, right? So at one level, he's actually saying, well, what happens to a world that is outside the world of books, right? Yeah, so there is a world outside the world of books, right? There's learning outside the world of books, right? Right? And we have to take note of all that kind of learning, right? And we go back to this romantic poet called uh, William Wordsworth, who in The Leech Gatherer, he's talking about what has gone into the character of the leech gatherer, right? Yeah, and it's it's an important lesson to us because we think that people are dumb and stupid because they're not educated or they, they don't know what this is or what that is, right? And this is a common problem that we suffer from, right? yeah so one of the th- one of the interesting things is uh, we are talking about how people learn right yeah how political consciousness is a- achieved right not only by uh, political theory right not by listening to lectures right but actually on the ground right so that's something else that you might like to read paulo freire right and he's actually worked with people and he's actually talked about how uh, adult education should be handled, right? And he says over there, it's not for the whole world. In the in his cultural action for freedom, that's how he defines education, right? Yeah. And he actually saying that education is cultural action for freedom, right? And if by and it's working together. It's not about one person going on talking like I'm going on talking. Right? When you're talking about education, we've all to be in it together and we have to learn something from the activities that we do. Right? So, that's something else. And uh, Paulo Freire is on the ground. He's thrown out of Brazil. Okay? And they think that he's a Marxist. Okay? At one level. And they think... uh, Yeah. So, he gets into trouble with the church and the state. And then he has to go and uh, write his books in the United States. Right? So, that's uh, how he goes. Right? So, he's talking about the idea of the absolutely... Uneducated, the so-called uneducated people, right? And he's talking about critical consciousness, right? Yeah. So when you look at the work that Paulo Freire does, he's actually putting into action a lot of the theoretical kinds of uh, ways of his thinking, and you be begin to see that uh, people are actually on the on the job, on the field. These are uh, actually farm laborers, right? Yeah, he's actually working for the farm laborers who are exploited by uh, the big uh, lords or the big uh, uh, almost slave drivers, okay, who are exploiting the the poor farmers who are landless laborers, right? He's actually working with those kind of people, right? So you begin to wonder uh, what happens, right? And his findings are very interesting, right? A woman comes up to him and says, well, uh, you know something? I understand everything that you say, but it's not worth it. Just now, right? Yeah. I know how I'm oppressed. I okay, that's another book of his called Pedagogy of the Oppressed, right? She knows, she says, I know, and I can understand how I'm uh, how oppressed I am, but I know there is no point in fighting now, right? Okay? We all know that you are oppressed in some way. Women know that they're oppressed in some way, right? But they might say, well, it's now is not the time to act, right? Yeah? and wait for something more, right? Like for instance, there was a a classmate, uh, a friend of mine, right? Whose teacher had a husband who was not even okay. And she actually told the teacher, why don't you just chuck that man and get out and live your life, right? And the teacher said, well, I'm doing that for my children, right? I want them to have the idea that there is some kind of a home and I don't know what effect It'll have on them, right? Yeah, I know that the man is not worth it. I know that he's terrible, right? And that's exactly how interesting life is, right? So, you you don't say that this is the only way out. The whole idea of common sense becomes a problem, right? Because common sense will mean chuck this person out, throw that person out, right? But that's not it, right? And uh, you might like to read also a book by a man called Ernest Larson who's talking about why don't you listen? right yeah and he's talking about people of course I don't uh, uh, support uh, a lot of what he says in some ways because he's talking about a person who's actually lives with this guy who's a drunk right and who's a drug addict and he beats her up and he does all those kind of things and I don't I don't like that part of it right so he's saying she is actually a person who listens to him right and he actually gets converted from his drug addiction and his alcoholism because he realizes that this person uh, really cares for him, right, yeah so that's what he's talking about listening and he's talking about listening to people, right, and that's something that's very important, especially in counseling, right, yeah so uh, of course, uh, after that I read that when I was a student in the standard 11 or 12, right but when I was studying American literature you find that this is a male chauvinist kind of point of view, right? Yeah, it would happen the other way around, right? And a man looks after a woman who's a drunk and a drug addict, right? And in spite of her doing, oh, and also maybe a sex worker, at the same time, and not a sex worker and sleeping around with hundred people. And if a man goes and says, well, I will look after you and I'll stand by you, no matter what happens and no matter what you do, right? Then I would think of that a little differently and I would say, well, then that's listening. Right? Yeah? So, uh, when I read American literature, we find that there is an age called the Gilded Age, right? Where everything is gold, right? People have denizens of gold in the United States, right? And that's about the time of uh, President Lincoln, right? Yeah? Just before the Civil War, right? And that's called the Gilded Age, right? And the common uh, kind of... Common sense idea of things is if a person is not okay, that is, if a man is a womanizer and a drunk, right? Drugs, of course, I don't know, right? That's not uh, there, right? Get him married, right? The woman will cure it. right? And what would happen actually is the man would never reform and the poor woman had to suffer, right? Yeah, so that's the only problem I have with Larson's understanding, though his idea is. Uh, put in another gendered context or a reverse gendered context might be even better, right? Yeah, so then of course I would say that it works, right? So you might like to think about all these things. When you read, you think that's Robert Louis Stevenson, right? And you have Voltaire who says unless you have a reading nation, you don't have a thinking nation, right? Yeah, and of course you have Gramsci who says every person is a philosopher, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, And only some people are given the status of a philosopher or a teacher, right? Yeah, so that's a problem that we have, right? Or what is it? So it's translated, that's of course in Italian, right? So he's actually saying that every person is an intellectual, only somebody, some people are given the status of an intellectual, right? And when all the people say all these horrible things about farmers, right? When people went and talked to Gramsci about the farmers, he was an Italian uh, professor of Italian literature, right? And he gives up his job and works for the farmers, right? Yeah. And that's in Italy, not here, right? He says, how can you say all these things? Have you been a farmer and have you experienced life from the position of a farmer, right? Yeah. And he wouldn't buy any of those kind of arguments and he's a teacher of